This is Conceptions and Misconceptions in Studying the Gospels with Dr. Dan Gertner. I'm Tyler Sanders, and today we're looking at the raising of Lazarus in John 11. So let's re- let's reiterate the big point of this podcast. Uh, Dr. Gertner, can you tell us a little bit about misconceptions in general in the Gospels, and then a little bit about this passage, how people maybe misunderstand it? Sure. With this passage, this is one that many of us are familiar with. And like many narratives in the Gospels, we believe that they're historically accurate. But then beyond that, we sort of don't know what to do with them. Uh, we, we, try, we try to turn them into metaphors or um, we, we try to pick out certain points of them. And sometimes we, we get the big picture and we miss the small points or we pay attention to small details and we miss the big picture. But the real key, as we've seen before, is trying to understand what the author is trying to say to the original readers. And one of the challenges with the Gospel of John is that he, he's very unlike the other Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar to one another. Sure. In fact, they're, they're called the Synoptic Gospels, which just really means seeing together because they're, hmm. they are so similar. You can see them together and they fit together very naturally. Yeah. John is very different. He's very philosophical in nature. And you can get that pretty much right off the bat. But what does that mean in terms of how we interpret it, how we read it? Um, uh, And the big part of understanding John is understanding that frequently he's speaking in two levels. One is a spiritual or metaphorical level. And another one is on the literal level. And he's doing so at the same time. Hmm. And the best example of that is when Jesus speaks to Nicodemus. Okay. And when Jesus talks to Nicodemus at night, the whole thing is filled with symbolism. Now, it literally happened, mm-hmm. but it's also filled with symbolism. Uh, the main symbolism there is that Jesus says to Nicodemus, you need to be born and what's often translated again is really a word that could be translated again or from above. It can go either way. Okay. And Nicodemus, all he can hear is the literal again. And But Jesus you, means it in the from above way. Yeah. So there, there are two levels. And the the misunderstanding humans only understand the physical level. The yeah. spiritual Jesus always means the spiritual level. So we mm-hmm. as readers are, are constantly sort of in this ambiguity, trying to understand the, the spiritual sense of what Jesus is saying and watching the literal people get tripped up left and right. Yeah. And every once in a while, like in this story of Jesus and uh, the raising of Lazarus, John will sort of um, come down out of the clouds and explain, okay, when he says Lazarus, our friend Lazarus was asleep, he actually meant he was physically dead. Yeah. So he explains the metaphor. And those right. are helpful for us who are kind of like, okay, does he mean he's really dead or does he mean he's just taking a nap? Yeah. No, he's dead. Yeah. So that's really important to understand as we read the Gospel of John because the other Gospels don't do that quite so much. Right, right. Okay. Well, maybe we should get into this text a little bit. So this is in John 11, right? Yeah, John 11. 
And this is a large text. Yeah. And so we're going to go through 44 verses. Okay. And we're used to thinking about John um, in this story. We're thinking about, okay, he raises Lazarus. And what's important about this passage is that when he, when he actually gets to Lazarus and raises Lazarus, that takes up a very small amount. Two verses mm-hmm. out of 44. Yeah. But the whole 44 verses are all about the raising of Lazarus. Now, this passage is sort of like going on a, a cross-country drive where most of your time is spent on a long highway Mm-hmm. But there are a few key turns that you have to take or you're going to get lost. Hmm. And if you don't pay attention to those key turns, you're going to miss the point. Okay. So there, what I mean by that is there are some very important small strategic words that John's going to use that are going to be some turning points for us. Hmm. So let, let's sort of follow along and yeah. let's, re, let's read what John has to say. And I'll make a couple comments here and there to, to clarify what, what, he's, what he's saying. So we're in John 11, uh, beginning in verse 1, and uh, I'm reading from the ESV. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister sister Martha. Now Bethany is less than two miles east of Jerusalem, and John's going to actually say that a little bit later. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. Now, one thing, I'm not going to stop at every verse, but one thing that's interesting about this is that so far in John's gospel, John hasn't told us that yet. Right. He doesn't mention that until chapter 12. Yeah. But he presumes that the readers already know it. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of interesting he makes a mention of this. Oh, this is the Mary I'm talking about, which I'll actually tell you about later. I know you haven't read it yet, but I'm going to tell you about this. So he presumes his readers know some of this story. Yeah. Verse 3, so the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, He said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So, this is really important. And this is one of those um, intersections... Yeah. yeah, one of these turns on the intersection that if you don't get it, you're going to miss it. Yeah. Um, he says, this illness does not lead to death. Now, you and I know, wait a minute, it actually does lead to death. Yeah. So Jesus kind of misses something. No, obviously what he means is this, this ultimately isn't going to lead to death. Yeah. Now, we know that ultimately Lazarus, the poor guy, is going to have to die twice. Right. So eventually he's going to die again. Yeah. Um, but what he means is it's ultimately he he's his death that that's going to happen as a result of this illness. It's not going to last very long. That, that's yeah. what he means. 
Yeah. But notice what he says about the illness. What is the what is the what is it about this illness in verse four? Well, it has a purpose. It has a the, purpose. Yeah. Yes. It is for the glory of God. Yeah. So this illness of Lazarus is for the glory of God. What 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 is the purpose of that, Jesus? So that the Son of God might be glorified through it. What what's the antecedent of it? The it that it's glorified through is the illness. So it's not to say that every illness is for the glory of God. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Maybe the that not maybe the Son of God can be glorified through every illness, but at least with Lazarus. Yeah. The goal of Lazarus's illness is the glory of God. Yeah. That's one of these crossword things. It's cro crossroad things. Verse five. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So lest we as readers think, wow, Jesus is pretty selfish. He just, he just wants himself to be glorified from poor Lazarus. No, he loves them. Yeah. Now, what does he do? He loves them, verse 5, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, now let's just pause there. What would you expect if, if he hears that Lazarus is ill, and then you see Jesus loved Mary and her sister and Lazarus, so because he heard he was ill and he loved them so much, so Jesus decided to to go. You'd think he's go, going to, to them To get on his horse, and he is going to book it, and he's going to run. Yeah. So, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, so what John's telling us is the way that Jesus displayed his love mm. for these people is that he didn't go. Yeah. He didn't go. He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. That's amazing. Yeah. This is yeah. what these little things that they get lost in the big narrative. Yeah. Um, then verse seven, after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Now, you've read enough in the Gospel of John to know that that John is all about time. My time mm -hmm. has not yet come and it's not my hour yeah. and things like that. So you sort of get the sense that Jesus is almost sort of in a, in a, in a sense sort of looking at his watch and say, okay, now's the yeah. time for us to go. Right. Um, everything has transpired the way it's supposed to. So now it's okay to go. Yeah. Uh, and then verse eight, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. It's a previous context. Mm -hmm. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If, and this is one of those two layers, the spiritual meaning and the literal meaning. Yeah. Uh, he, and if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. So on the literal level, Jesus is just saying, hey, guys, it's daylight. So we can walk and we'll be able to see any rocks or stones or sticks and we're not going to get tripped up. Yeah. 
But John is also speaking on this spiritual and metaphorical level, and he's saying that it's safe to go because he's going about the Father's will. Yeah. And that's where he says, he, he gives us this teaser when he says, because the light is not in him. Light being in somebody, that's that's whether the Father father is in him or not. Yeah. So they go. And then verse 11 after saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. So he knows what's happened. So that time sequence has yeah. occurred. But I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking uh, rest in sleep or natural sleep in translation. So here's where John yeah. again comes out of the clouds a little bit and sort of um, speaks at our level and says, yeah. "Okay, if you're having a hard time understanding the metaphor, let's explain it." Yeah. Then Jesus told them plainly, "Lazarus has died." Mm. Now here's another another uh, intersection. Yeah. In mm. the highway of this passage. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there. Why on earth is it good for them that poor Lazarus was allowed to die? Right. So that, here's what he wants from them, so that you may believe. Yeah. There's something that's going to occur there. That's going to cause them to believe. Why? Because remember, John's gospel, the whole thing, the answer key to John's gospel, these things are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the son of God and that by believing you might have life in him. Yeah. That's the answer key to the whole gospel of John. Yeah. Then they go. But that's, again, one of these, for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there. So then yeah. he wouldn't have died. You wouldn't have seen what I'm about to do. And it wouldn't have prompted your faith. Yeah. And it's, it's actually really great that John comes in and tells us a little bit about this metaphor just to help reinforce Jesus is telling us what's going to happen and why it's happening, but it is still kind of confounding in a way. You know, yeah. I, I totally understand why the disciples would have been like confused and not totally understood this. So it's it's a great feature, I think, in this in this passage that we have John come in and say, like a little bit of this explanation just to kind of reinforce this idea like Jesus is saying something a little bit different than what it sounds like. Right. And it's also helpful for us as readers to see that because John doesn't always do that. Sometimes he just lets us struggle with it. Um, and it shows how important this passage is in the gospel of John that uh, he's taking the extra time to say, hey, don't miss this. I I'm going to, I'm going to, speak your language i'm going to bring it down to your level so to speak uh yeah. so that you don't miss this yeah verse 16 yeah so thomas called the twin mm -hmm. said to his fellow disciples let us also go that mean we may die with him now what thomas meant here i have absolutely no idea um, like a lot of things that occur in the gospel of John, he's probably speaking well beyond what he really understands at the time. Mm. So 
Uh, he's we may die with him. Is he meaning uh, we're going to go die with Jesus or we're going to go die because Lazarus is going to die. Right. Or. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's an interesting. That, that's line, a puzzling. It? And I looked this one up. Yeah. And I, I, and there is really no clear answer huh. on this one. Huh. Um, so regardless, Thomas wants to go. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's eager to go. So this is the same guy we know is doubting Thomas later on. He, he's yeah. ready to go. Yeah. And in some sense, he's willing to die. And Jesus has just explained that Lazarus is dead. Yeah. So we know that the notion of purely metaphorical death is not the only category. Yeah. Yeah. So... Thomas is 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 kind of hardcore here. Yeah. Re- regardless of what we don't know. I, again, I'm confused. I don't know what else he means. Yeah. yeah. But he's ready to follow Jesus. And go with him. And in some sense. Let's go too, because we want to die with him, whoever him is and whatever he's going to die for. He's yeah. eager to go with Jesus. Yeah. So. At least we get a few answers, even if the whole why isn't, isn't clear. Yeah, yeah. There's something there for sure. Um, so let's go. Let's keep going. Verse 17. Okay. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And okay. many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Mary, or sorry, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So she is affirming what Jesus said earlier. Remember mm. when Jesus said, I'm glad I wasn't there because if I had yeah, been yeah. there, he wouldn't have yeah. died and you wouldn't have faith. Um, and she said, yeah, that's true. Um, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Yeah. Um, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Mm. You could raise him. I know that. Yeah. Um, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. So we said before that the gospels are all about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the um, neon sign banner of this whole passage Mm. so we call this the raising of lazarus we should call this jesus is the resurrection and the life whoever believes in him though he die yet shall he live because that's really what this is about this lazarus is a prop in a story about jesus raising people from the dead so um it says we're kind of used to jesus doing this kind of thing by now but 
Um, so that that is really the central point of this whole passage in terms of the message to the reader and the message to the church. You know, what's interesting about it, too, in this passage is like Martha kind of susses out that spiritual level of what Jesus is saying, but she doesn't get all of it. Like she kind of understands whenever whenever Jesus says like, you know, he will rise again. She's kind of like, well, I know there's like a spiritual level of rising again that's going to come later. And then he has one more step to explain uh, even past that, like what you kind of understood, it's it's even deeper than that. It's like, I'm the well, resurrection. I, I think I think possibly she might even say, I know that he will rise again physically in the resurrection in the last mm. day. So she might even be saying, yeah, I know there's going to be a physical resurrection on the last day. So there is an eschatological resurrection. Yeah. But Jesus is saying that that that. I am the embodiment of that eschatological resurrection and that that kingdom that you're anticipating that's going to come in the future. At least part of it is right standing right in front of you talking to you. Yeah. So um, that's part of the New Testament theology tension of the already not yet that's living mm. right right there. So yes, yeah, yeah, the last day that he will be raised, but not all of it's just then. Some of this is right now. Yeah. Um, and you're about to see evidence of it. Yeah. Which is another interesting point, I think, too, is that we've got here to like the the climax in a sense of what this is saying about Jesus. But we still haven't gotten to like the narrative climax in a way of yeah. the actual uh, event happening. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm the who. Uh, Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Now, look at this statement in verses 25 and 26. Mm -hmm. that Jesus says about himself. And he says to her, do you believe this? And she doesn't just say yes. She gives, he gives the definition of the Christ. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like whenever you have a test and somebody gives you a definition and you have to supply the term. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have to give a term. A wor- sometimes a, t- a teacher will give you a word and you have to give the definition. Sometimes yeah. they give you the definition and you have to give the word. Yeah. Jesus gave the definition and she gave the word. Yeah. So she, he says, um, you know, I am the resurrection and the life, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She says, yeah, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God who's come into the world. Yeah. Well, that's that's not what he asks. He yeah, says, yeah. do you believe this? Yeah. She says she could just say yes. But yeah. she says, yes. And I know what that means. Right. That means that you are the Christ, the mm-hmm. son of the living God. Not only can you do these things. I know what that means about who you are and what you came here to do. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's impressive. When she said this, uh, sorry, when she had said this, she went and called her sister, Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet uh, come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. 
when the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. So we, we kind of get suspicious because when we see Jews there, Jews are often uh, the, the villains, especially Jewish leaders in John's mm -hmm. gospel. Mm -hmm. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and this is key to see how Jesus responds. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also uh, weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. What, what on earth is going on here? This is a tricky passage, I think, because it is because we know that Jesus already knows what has occurred and why it's happening. He's been telling people like there's a there's an end to the like I there's kind of a spoiler in a sense like he knows how it's going to end and he knows why it's happening but still in this moment he's very moved. Yeah, and and notice the way John says this in verse 33. What he's deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Mm. Now, troubled is sort of the key. This is a negative mm. reaction. Yeah. What is he reacting negatively to? I mean, it seems like it's related to them weeping. Yes, exactly. That's weeping. exactly it. So, is he just heartless? Hmm. Well, no, we don't want to say that. Sure. What's the difference between what they're doing and what Martha had done? Hmm. I guess we didn't really see that Martha was actually weeping, did we? But she's asked the same question, essentially, right? What did Martha say? Martha, Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Uh -huh. But then Martha continues. But even now, I know that whatever you oh. ask from God, God will give you. So she has hope still. She has hope. And that hope is found in Jesus. Yeah. Mm. Mary expresses no hope. She says mm. the same thing. The, uh, and yeah. actually, I just noticed that. She says the same words. I haven't checked the Greek, but she says the same words and said, all she does is weep. Yeah. So she's not expressing hope. She's expressing lament mm. and sadness. Mm. And the Jews around her are expressing the same thing. So the Jews around her is expressing the same thing is kind of a little bit of a flag to say, uh, there's something negative in the fact that Jesus is troubled. So probably what's happening here is that they are expressing anguish and lament. Hmm. They don't see hope. Yeah. So Jesus response is, you know, he says, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. So Jesus wept, and this doesn't come through in the English very clearly, but it's a slightly different kind of weeping. Hmm. They are weeping in anguish and lament. He is shedding tears. Hmm. In other words, 
I think what's happening is they feel hopeless at what they perceive to be the end of Lazarus, and that's it. Yeah. And Jesus is responding to what he perceives as their lack of faith. Mm. In other words, so when Jesus weeps, I don't think Jesus is weeping at the death of Lazarus. Right. He already knows what's going to happen. Yeah. In fact, he knew it happened whenever they started walking out. and He waited for it to happen, and he yeah. was glad that it was going to happen for their sakes. Yeah. So what's changed here? What has occurred here in the meantime that causes this kind of response? Yeah. It's, it's their weeping. It's their weeping, yeah. What, and and what it's that not means, just their weeping. Basically. It's their weeping without hope. Yeah. So, and it is a slightly different expression mm. uh, of weeping. Mm. Um, and then um, the Jews misunderstand yeah. Jesus weeping. See how he loved him. Oh, that's not those that that those tears are not love. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I could be wrong here, but I think those those tears is slightly different. T- typically, the the kind of weeping that that Mary or that Mary and the Jews were doing are things are uh, weeping of anguish anguish and lament. Yeah, the kind of tears that Jesus is doing are, are or the kind of weeping that Jesus is doing is just sort of uh, remorse and tears. Yeah, slightly different term. Yeah, but some of them said. Verse 37, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? So now the unbelief unfolds. Mm -hmm. Verse 38, then Jesus deeply moved. And again, this is probably a negative response. Mm -hmm. Came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there is an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So you're expecting decay and smell. I'm going to show you, and who's he talking to here? Uh, Martha, right? Martha. Yeah. And and who's the only one who expressed faith? Yeah, that's her. Martha. Yeah. You would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes, and, and here we get, we get the sort of, we're seeing the behind the scenes look. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. Mm. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around. So I, this is this echoes back to the, I'm glad for your sake that I wasn't there. This is for you, disciples, and, and for Martha, that they may believe that you sent me. Verse 43, when he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died, again, been dead four days. Yeah. So there had been atrophy, there had been decay. His yeah. ears did not work. His he didn't respond. He yeah. had, I mean, try it with roadkill sometime. You can yeah, shout, shout out all you want. It is incapable of responding. 
Right. His hands and feet were bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. So a display of the glory of God. Yeah. And all of this is a display of the glory of God. But those, those, those intersections on this long highway, 44 verses, yeah. are absolutely crucial. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it, it really does, um, it, it more than just colors the passage, it really defines it, I think. Um, it does. I, it's really the only way, I think, to answer that question that we're, we keep coming back to um, each episode is like, what is this telling us about Jesus? Those intersections are are how you get that answer, I think. Yeah, and it also addresses a number of things for us in the church. Hmm. Um, in that it is for the glory of God, but it is also for the sake of those who are standing about. It is for the disciples' sake. Hmm. That they are beneficiaries of seeing this. Yeah. Meaning that they may believe. Jesus understands that it is to their benefit that they see this, see this miracle, and that it triggers in them a saving faith in who Jesus is. Mm. And that Jesus loved Lazarus and Martha and Mary, and it wasn't out of apathy that he permitted Lazarus to die. Yeah. It was, it was in, in his economy and his assessment, it was um, an investment in the faith of other people. Yeah. So the, we balance why did Lazarus let poor, or why did Jesus let poor Lazarus just die mm. to go through this? Jesus allowed that to happen because he he perceived that there was a better outcome. Yeah. I mean, it was an act of love, really. It was an act of love. And it's hard to see that sometimes the eternal well-being of somebody is, is more valuable than sometimes the physical well-being of somebody. Mm. Um. I, I talked about this in chapel a couple of weeks ago when we looked at when we looked at First Peter, hmm. um, about when Peter talks about this. Um, though now for a little while you have gone through trials of various kinds, that God is working out the eternal outcome of your faith. Yeah, because um, He values your faith as more precious than gold that perishes, though it is refined by fire. Hmm. Me- meaning that. Um, that we go through hardships and sometimes they're hard and physical and painful hardships because and, and God does have an intent. And sometimes he, he allows us to go through hard physical things because he cares about the outcome of our soul. And, yeah. and, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean he cares less about our physical well-being. It's a statement of how much he cares yeah. about our, our, our eternal good. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I mean, that's a lot to chew on, but I think that's a really, a really powerful example in scripture of the complexity of God's love. Um, and I think too, just like the, uh, of that tension of the, the not yet and already, um, that yeah. sometimes the, the not yet can still 
feel and actually be very painful um, uh, because it, it, we're not very good at seeing the next thing. And we as readers get to see the next thing. Mm. Lazarus had no idea. Yeah. Martha, who is really the spiritual hero of this whole, I mean, other than Jesus, is really the spiritual yeah. hero of the whole thing. She had no idea. Yeah. But she had faith. Yeah. Um, because, but she knew what Jesus could do, and yeah. she knew exactly who he was. And that was sufficient for her. And in that sense, she's really held out as the model. Yeah. There's also the 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 presumption in John that um, Jesus, and this has to do with John's Christology, Jesus has a prerogative to do things in people's lives that he doesn't pause to ask permission. Mm. Um, he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't apologize for. Mm. He he is God incarnate, uh, and when when you sort of when you when you see statements in John's gospel, like before Abraham was, I am. And you understand that Jesus is claiming that John in John is presenting Jesus as the I am of the Old Testament. And you look at at the the supremacy and the glory and the majesty of Yahweh, the I am in the Old Testament, and, and you just for for a moment's sake, plug that into the narrative of the Gospel of John. Mm. What seems to be somewhat audacious for a human being that Jesus does, um, you know, who does Jesus think he is, saying thinking he can just wait wait for Lazarus to die and then do it? Well, he's Yahweh. He doesn't think he's anybody. He knows who he is. Yeah, and he entirely has the prerogative to do that. It, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. It makes perfect sense when when we realize that before Abraham he was, that mm -hmm. through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. Yeah. That's why the the prologue to John's gospel is so important as a, a set of glasses through which to read the whole narrative. Mm -hmm. When you realize who Jesus is, every page that you turn to in this gospel and everything you hear him say and everything you see him do makes perfect sense when you file that in the back of your mind and see him do what he does. Mm -hmm. Mm. I think that's such a, I mean, I, I know there's probably a ton more things we could say about this, but that feels like such a great way to wrap up this whole, this whole passage. This has been a really fantastic episode, I think. Um, uh, one final reminder as we part for yeah. today, as we think about this Jesus who has done these things, and this is, again, this is obviously real history. This really happened. Um, there's a metaphorical and spiritual level we talked about in John's gospel. This this is no less than the this is still the Jesus that we pray to every day. This is the mm -hmm. still Jesus the Jesus that we teach in our Sunday schools. This is still the Jesus that we worship when we sing our songs on Sunday mornings with our hands raised. Um, even though he is the lofty King of Kings and Lord of Lords, he is still the Lord of our hearts and mm -hmm. still the one who wants a relationship with us and talks with us. So he is both the King and the friend. And so uh, I hope we can take some encouragement from that from knowing that this one who who did these things with Lazarus um, is our friend and companion and through his spirit lives within us. Dr. Gertner, thank you so much for your time. Uh, and I'm looking forward to the next uh, the next passage we're going to cover. My pleasure. Mm -hmm.